Mac Power Users, episode 481, Finder and its Alternatives. Hello, everyone. This is David Sparks, joined by my pal, Stephen Hackett. How are you doing today, Stephen? I'm doing well, David. How are you? I'm excited. I like it sometimes when we do these episodes where we just dig on something really nerdy, and this one feels like it to me. You can't get much nerdier than, like, finder tips and tricks, right? Like it's it's yeah. going to be it's going to be fun. I've been looking forward to this and I got to play with a lot of apps that honestly I haven't visited in several years some of them. So it's been uh it's been fun to put this one together. I think people will enjoy it. And I've been doing so much whining about the Files app on mm-hmm. iOS that I wanted to just kind of dig in on Finder on Mac and see, you know, why is it that I get so upset with the Files app and <laughs> And so I thought, well, let me just look at I, you know, Mac. What what is it all that I'm doing, and and start cataloging the the pieces of it that I'm using. Like I realized, oh yeah, that's why I'm so angry at files. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so t- today's episode is not going to be about iOS files. It's going to be about Finder on the Mac. This is a Mac heavy episode. But before we get started, we've got a few announcements. Uh, Show five hundred is not that far away. It's coming up. Mac stock is at the end of July, and we have a link in the show notes to their ticket page. And we had a couple questions about, is the MPU ticket separate? It's not. We're just part of the conference. So if you have a conference ticket for uh, Saturday, then you should be good to go. And we are the last thing on the schedule on Saturday. So we are, are closing out the Saturday sessions with uh, Mac Power Users 500, which for the rest of us will be out a few weeks later. But uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I've already been, so to put the listeners behind the scenes a little bit, uh, I've not allowed David to do any prep for this. This is a, I'm going to surprise David on stage with some things and it's going to be, it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really looking forward to this. This is news to me because I was just blocking time to start working on this. Nope. You you just got to show up. You just got to show up, man. Just got to show up and uh, and they've released their speakers list and everything. It's just going to be a great group of people. It's going to be a really fun weekend. Yeah, if you enjoyed Macworld back in the day or if you're sad you missed out on it, MacStock is where you go now. And uh, a lot of people there. And uh, one way that I think it's better than Macworld is that it's a smaller venue, so mm-hmm. everybody has a chance to get to spend more time with each other. Anybody that's in attendance, you'll get a chance to say hi to because it's not like 20,000 people like Macworld yeah. was. And that's so hard at WBC if you make it out to that. There's so many people, and it's it's sort of spread out across San Jose now where – there have been, you know, friends of mine that I've wanted to see at past WDCs, and then like I'm, I'm leaving. Like I didn't even get to see you. Like what happened? So being smaller yeah. Yeah, no. and everything kind of being together, it'd be a lot of t- a time to to mingle with listeners. I think you've got something on your mind about your AirPods, though. Yeah, I just wanted to briefly touch on this. There's been some discussion over in the forums at talk.macpowerusers.com about AirPods 2. I've had mine for several weeks now, and I just sort of review for members of 5 Pixels about this. But I want to talk to you about them, too. I'm a heavy AirPods user, using them when I work out, doing stuff around the house, doing yard work. I use them probably, maybe not every day, but almost every day. I use them especially for conference calls. That's huge for me because I like to pace around my office or walk around in the yard when I'm on calls. And that gives me the freedom to do that. And the the AirPods 2, the new ones, I've really been impressed with. Of course, the battery life's better, but that's true because the old AirPods were aging. And the batteries in these things just, just don't last more than a couple of years, which is a real shame and like... 
it's kind of weird that this is sort of a disposable product. I don't love that, but that's kind of where we are with battery tech, unfortunately. But the thing I've been most impressed with, David, is how fast they connect to an iPhone and passing in between other iOS devices. So if you have your iPad and you want to move them over, it's very fast, way faster than before. And uh, I know you're an AirPods user as well. And I was curious, did you pick these up and how your experience has been if you did? Yeah, I, I've got them. The uh, My old ones were, were wearing out. Mm-hmm. I, I had replaced the right one in the old one. Uh, I I definitely use my AirPods every day. Um, uh, be, you know the uh, the law racket is one where you spend a lot of time on the phone, and um, so I am on the phone constantly for that job. And I immediately adopted the AirPods as soon as they came out. The first version of them for that before I'd been using a Blue Parrot uh, Bluetooth headset, mm-hmm. which was nice with noise canceling. I think I had a trucker listener write in to tell me that's the one to get, and I used it for years. But, you know, it's still kind of a pain to, like, to make sure it's paired and it's a big one that goes over your head. And I just wanted, you know, the simplicity of the AirPods. And they're fine for pacing around the office talking to people on the phone. I love that you can swap them during a call. Like, uh, especially as the battery started going bad on my old ones, I would have it in one year until I started getting the beep. And then I would pull the one out for the other year, stick it in and take the the one with the battery dying and put it in a case. And I would literally like be hot swapping them on these extended conference calls. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it just worked. And uh, it's a great device. Uh, I, I really like the new ones. I second uh, Steven's thoughts about faster pairing. Um, I also like the uh, ability to activate Siri without, with your, just your voice. Yeah. I won't say the words. Um, it's, it's fast. I, I've always felt like the mistake people make with it on the phone was they would say the phrase and they'd wait for the beep before they'd start giving it the command. Mm-hmm. And that's a mistake. If you really want to use the voice command for it, you just say the trigger phrase and then what you want it to do with no pause in between. And because with the, the new AirPods, it doesn't give you the beep. I think it forces people to do it that way. And as a result, they find it works better. Um, um, another problem that the new one solved for me that I was having with the old ones is this weird thing where um, I take a lot of walks. You know, that's another way I kind of think about stuff. And sometimes I'll put, you know, an audiobook or a podcast in when I'm taking a walk. And with the old ones on occasion, I would have this weird fluke where one ear would work, but the other wouldn't. Hmm. And I'd go through this thing where I'd take it back out and put it in the case and shut the lid and then put it back in and hope. And sometimes I had to take them both out and put them in the case and just kind of do some kind of, I guess, system reset to get them both working at the same time. And since I got the new ones, I've not had to do that once. So that's been nice. Did you pick up the wireless charging case? Yeah, I did. And it was dumb. Um, <laughs> the, so uh, I have two wire. I like wireless charging and I have a wireless stand on my nightstand and on my desk in my office, but they're both the stand up kind. They're not the oh, laid out. Oh yeah. But that doesn't work very well. I didn't realize till I got home that the stand up kind doesn't, doesn't work with the AirPods because the chargers in the center of that unit and the AirPod is sealed. I guess I could like stack something underneath it or I don't know. Um, <laughs> You could build a little Lego like arm to hold it up. Yeah, but I, but I was also thinking my wife now has a phone that charges um, wireless charging. I, I think I'm, it's time to get a little charging pad for like the family room mm-hmm. where people can just lay stuff on when they walk in. So I, I, I think at some point I'm going to buy one. I have to 
take a look at it. I know there's two charging speeds now. I know they're mm-hmm. getting cheaper. I believe it's seven point. No, I say seven point five yeah. watts or mm-hmm. volts. I don't remember what the measure is, but I guess there's one that's faster. I don't want to spend a ton of money, but I need to find a nice flat one I can put in the family room because it would make sense while we're in there if you want to just trickle charge and then sure. I could use my AirPods. Uh, I can uh, really speak highly of the Mophie one. That's the one that I use uh, in my office. And I did the wireless charging case, and, like, it's pretty slow. Like, if you need a fast charge, you still ought to plug it in. But I've been pretty happy with them so far. I, I don't feel like I totally blew money with the, the wireless case. Yeah, it's just kind of the way things are going. And the convenience of not plugging it in, I, I just really can't understate that. It. I know it's silly, but... Just just one less friction point in my life, and it's kind of nice. I, as soon as I – I was initially a little skeptical about it. Katie's the one who told me about these stand-up chargers. And as soon as I bought one, I immediately ordered a second because mm-hmm. you just lay it in there. And, like, while I'm working all day, my phone just sits in that charger all day at my desk. I can – like, if something comes in, I can trigger it without having to lift it up or anything. It's nice. Yeah, if it's laying down, it, you know, the screen isn't where you can easily see it. That's definitely an issue. Yeah. Cool. Well, I just wanted to, to touch base on that. It sounds like we're both happy with them, and uh, I just I think they're a great product. If they if they fit your ears and they do what you want them to do, uh, it's for me. It's kind of a, a no brainer to pick up. And I saw in the headlines. I haven't read any of the articles, but I guess there's rumors of an AirPod three already. I don't know what that's about. It's always something new coming. Yeah. If they came out with a new one next month, I I feel like I would not be the least bit tempted. I'm very <laughs> happy with the new ones and. It's got a nice long battery life, and I, I'll run these into the ground for another two years. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's not why we're here today. <laughs> we have other stuff to do. So like we said, we are going to be talking about Finder, which is really, in a lot of ways, the heart of the Mac experience, and as we're going to get into in a second, a really old part of the Mac experience as well. One of the few things that really has been with Mac, the Mac and Mac users really since the about the beginning. And uh, there are a, a bunch of links in the show notes. Uh, this one here is a, a really good Apple support page about the Finder. <laughs> Ring in the K-Base bell. Uh, that, that's going to go off several times this week, I think. That's good. It's been sitting here collecting does. I felt bad. I haven't been able to hit my K-Base bill. I know. I know. So we're going to get our fill today. So a lot of things we're going to talk about, there'll be links in the show notes to go into more depth because this is a topic where like i mean look we could talk about this for like eight hours but no, no one should listen to an eight-hour podcast about the finder so we've kind of picked out our favorite things to talk about so things we think are really cool but there's always more uh resources out there and uh, we've done our best to collect a lot of them in the show notes this week yeah one thing i would like to say before we get into how we're using the modern finder is just how delightful the original finder was as somebody who had grown up using command line computers, uh, you know, Apple twos, IBM PCs, and, you know, the range of command line stuff we had at the beginning, uh, the finder was really nice. I mean, it was, it, you know, you, the visual concept of a folder. I mean, I think Apple was the first one I'd ever seen do it as a kid. I guess Lisa did it beforehand and some of the other, um, developers had worked on it, but they just did a real nice implementation of it. And the, um, there was just a lot of, just thinking back to that original file management system, there was a lot to really like about it. I liked the way you could put a file in a place and it would stay there, you know, because it was such a new paradigm for everyone. 
Yeah, it it really let people manage files in a way that was sort of human centric, where a, a lot of these, a lot of the other system you're talking about, like you're loading files on and off like like a, a floppy disk, but you're doing it in the command line. Like there's no visual representation of what. Yeah. You're doing, and that's what made the Mac so special when it was new, and it inherited that a lot from the Lisa and Xerox Park, blah blah blah. blah. But it, it really, at the time, made the Mac much simpler and easier to use for people who didn't have the background that maybe you did, where you kind of knew what you were doing uh, in those other systems. So, yeah, but you know, even with those other systems, you still had to retain the structure in your own internal RAM. I mean, there was no obvious, I mean, you could run a command to see what the folders were or what the containers were, but it wasn't just there for you. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was actually difficult. And if you worked on something, well, I guess we were always working off a floppy. So that was one of the benefits. There was no hard drives yet. So you would just put the floppy in and you'd see it there. But the, um, it was just, it was really tedious before, this this visual finder came out and even you know i don't know who was behind the name of it but i think the name was perfect for the time because how do you find your files you find them with the finder you know i mean (laughs) i mean that was i you know that was kind of genius absolutely and uh so yeah so it was a big part of sort of the the classic mac os days that's definitely where i first came to it you know using os 8 and 9 and then finder made the transition to Mac OS X, it obviously picked up a ton of stuff from the file manager in Next Step. In fact, early versions of Mac OS Finder, uh, Mac OS X's Finder, look a lot like the Next Step file manager. And over time, they brought some ideas from the classic Mac into it. And then it's changed a lot over the years. One thing that's that's I think Apple's done a good job of is make it even more user centric. So, like in the early days of Mac OS X. Like you started at the computer level and as like computer and then you go to the users folder and then you find the folder David and then there's all of David's stuff. Sometime around 10.2 or 10.3 maybe they shifted that and said, hey, you know what? Humans are using these machines and so we should make the home folder the sort of uh, first view that people see. That should kind of be where yeah. everything starts from and then they added the all my files view uh, that came on later. So lots of uh, – evolution over the years to make it more friendly for people just sitting down at their MacBook wanting to get work done. You want to talk about the spatial finder? Should we, should we open that can of worms? <laughs> uh, I'm going to crack open the can of worms just long enough to point to John Syracuse's article in April of 2003 that talks about the problems that he saw in the Mac OS X finder and his suggestions for going to uh, what he called the spatial finder. If you were a Mac user in the early days of OS X, no doubt you were involved on like online debates about this. But if you weren't there or you haven't read this, even though this article now is 16 years old this month, what he says about what the finder should be, honestly, a lot of it still holds up. And even the parts that don't, John is such an incredible writer. It's it's just a good read anyway. So uh, I kind of want to sidebar the Spatial Finder stuff today because, like, again, we could talk for eight hours. But definitely go read that article on Ars Technica because it is just in the pantheon of, like, important articles about the Mac. This is on the short list. The, the interesting thing about this article to me is I talked earlier about the Finder being one of my very first experiences on Macintosh. 
back when we called it Macintosh. Uh, the um, and so you'd think something that's been around that long is as good as it's going to get. There's really no room for improvement. And the thing I I get out of John's article is, you know what? There still is a lot that could be better here. Mm-hmm. And and Apple doesn't necessarily give Finder a lot of attention. Once in a while, it does. Honestly, with Mojave, they did a couple of things. But before then, it was years. And so, yeah. And what they did in Mojave, which we'll get to, not huge changes, right? Just not niceties they've added over the time. But I, but I feel like Finder got its attention last year. And I would be shocked to see that it got more attention this year. I agree. I'll tell you one thing about Finder. It's the only app I have for which I have a pillow on my couch. <laughs> Finder pillow. That's great. I have a Finder pillow. I uh, last year they did a Kickstarter. Uh, Throwboy did. I'll put some links in. And they had like a classic Mac pillow, and it's it's kind of an odd shape for a pillow. But how could I resist? And then when I went to order it, I saw the little smiley Finder face. And I said, I want to see that on my couch when I sit down to watch TV. So I bought the uh, Mac and the. The Finder, and it is a conversation piece when nerds come over the house. But I'm sure it's not like a, it's not like a gimmick. It, if at some point I'm going to get you to Southern California, and we're going to get your family to Disneyland, so you can see what I'm talking about. But the uh, you're going to come to my house, and you're going to see a Finder pillow on my couch. So when y'all like say that y'all have company over, right? Not nerd people, not people who yeah. like know what this pillow is. Uh, does your family make this pillow disappear when like normal people come over? Nah, no, we're not that organized. <laughs> it's it's out. I think some people look at it and and wonder, but then they know me just enough to know that that's eh, just a Dave thing. Ignore it. It's pretty good. <laughs> you can still get them. You can get your own finder pillow. I'll, like I said, it's it's kind of it's kind of sweet having your own finder pillow. The uh, the link is in the show notes. So. <laughs> I took a nap on the finder pillow the other day. You know, I mean, why not? <laughs> If you buy one, uh, put a picture in the form so we can see it. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder if you sleep on the Finder pillow, you know, if you have dreams that are Finder based, you know. Mm, Maybe. 32-bit dreams. (laughs) (laughs) This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by OmniFocus, the task manager I've used for years to stay on top of my work and make time for play. OmniFocus not only offers its users power, it also comes with flexibility. You can make this app work the way you think. Do you need tags? OmniFocus has them. Do you want to review your active projects routinely? OmniFocus does that too. Do you need to quickly get your tasks out of your brain and into your Mac, iPad, or iPhone? OmniFocus makes capture trivial. With OmniFocus, you have all the tools. The last few weeks have been bananas for me. Because of some work commitments, I only have time for a few most critical tasks every day. OmniFocus has been helping me out with that because I tag the most important tasks with a tag I call Big Rocks, and OmniFocus has a perspective to show me the big rocks every day. This week, I'm just doing those items. Next week, when things slow down a bit, I can dive deeper, but for now, I see exactly what I need. It's a simple perspective, but it's really saving my bacon right now. Either way, I use OmniFocus every day to keep my life together. There is no way I could run a law practice, a video business, three podcasts, and be a dad without all the powerful tools that OmniFocus gives me. So why not go check it out for yourself? Head over to the OmniFocus website and download the free trial. We've got it linked in the show notes. And make sure to let them know you heard about it here at the Mac Power Users. All right, enough enough reminiscing. Let's talk about getting work out of that finder. To begin with, 
it's finder. So you're supposed to find stuff. It is a great tool for navigation. There's lots of options for that. But one thing uh, I think people aren't super familiar with necessarily is the really powerful search within finder. So of course there's spotlight search, which has gotten really good over the years. But if you just open a regular finder window or you hit command F while you're in the finder, the, the search functionality that is built into it is really, really powerful. You can do some really cool things. Obviously, you can search by name, which is primarily how Spotlight, I think, is used most of the time. Yeah. But you can join it with different search tokens. So you can use things like file type. So I just want to look at PDFs, or I just want to look at JPEGs, or I just want to look at you know PowerPoint documents. You got really granular date control. So you can, of course, look at, okay, when was the last time this uh, was opened? When was the last time it was modified? So you could do a search saying, I want every PDF uh, with the name David in it, and I only, but only things I've modified in the last six months. And it finds it just like that, just, just as quickly as you can hit the return key, it has returned those results. And it's really powerful when you, especially when you consider that search can can look inside of documents. So things like PDFs, if the, if they've been OCR'd, but things like pages, documents, Word documents, uh, text files, all sorts of things. Finder can actually see the content in there. So maybe you don't remember the name of it, but you know, okay, well this PDF, you know, had this fr- this phrasing and a very particular phrase that maybe is stuck in your memory. It'll find it, and it really opens up a lot of power without having to like navigate through folder and subfolder and subfolder. You can kind of skim across all that with the search feature. I think that to some degree, these skills have atrophied for a lot of Mac users as the spotlight has got better. You know, I the think spotlight so. generally finds stuff for you and you can use a lot of the same token type stuff in spotlight that you can in the finder search, which is another reason people don't go there as often. Uh, this is one of those areas where I think they could get better. I think like the the way they implement tokens in Apple Mail is better than the way they implement them in Finder. Mm-hmm. If you've if you've ever played with the two, it's a it's more obvious that you're in a token in Apple Mail than it is you are in a Finder. And I would like to see them improve that. But but the bottom line is those tokens are still there, and you can say get me everything you know, in 2017, that's a keynote file. It'll get it for you. And you're right. It's just lightning fast. I guess says the two guys driving iMac pros. Yeah, <laughs> you know. true. But um, but I think that's true on any Mac really at this point. I think it is too. And you can, you can take any of these searches and you can turn them into a, uh, a saved, like a saved search that shows up as a smart folder in the sidebar in Finder. So if you find yourself searching for, you know, a similar thing pretty often, or you just want to have a single view, just like, you know, say you create a lot of Word documents and you just want a view showing, show me every Word document I've modified in the last seven days. If that's a big thing for your workflow, you could make a, a saved search for that and you can name it something and put it in the sidebar and finder. And then you don't have to manually recreate that search every time you just click on that folder in the sidebar and it executes the search right there in the, in the finder view for you. So if you have a if you find yourself going back to this over and over, it can be a, a pretty neat way to spe- speed things up. Yeah, I I think this is actually one of the keystone points of this whole show is smart folders in Finder are game-changing. And if you're not using them, 
you should. Uh, anybody that works on their Mac, like uh, one that I think should, it should ship with this one I, I have. It's just a three-day smart folder. Anything I've opened in the last three days. I also have one, anything I've opened in the last 24 hours. Because a lot of times I've got files distributed all across the Mac, but I know I just want to look at that one thing I had open three hours ago. I hit the 24-hour smart folder, and it's just there. Um, uh, another one I use all the time, like I'm working on the the Keyboard Maestro field guide. It's almost done. Um, but I've got a bunch of smart filters built around that whole production cycle about, you know, screen flow files and, you know, closed caption files and everything. And I don't have to spend any time drilling on my computer. The stuff just shows up there. No matter what work it is you do, you could bin it from this and and making them is just ridiculously easy. You go in finder, you go under the file menu, hit new smart folder and you can just create it. And there's a, it's a very obvious, but the way you do it is you create a, a rule and you set your tokens and there's a little plus button and you put as many qualifications in there as you want. And you can just build and build and build them and get really, really granular. There's a, uh, uh, when you're searching, there's even a um, a section uh, like a instead of file type or something, there is one called other a search type, and you go into the search attributes in this popover. And <laughs> I love this. I'm scrolling this now, and like I don't even know what some of these do. Like it, they, it just like general MIDI sequence. Like if you need to search by a MIDI sequence. You can do that, and I'm sure that's important to someone, not necessarily important to me. But what's neat about this, there there are some really specific things in here. So there's a lot of image and photo things in here. So you could say, uh, give me a search result of, of every image on my drive where this is the ISO speed. Like, you get so granular with this. Or the lens aperture value. So if you have a fancy camera and you're shooting low, uh, high, uh, low aperture shots, you can just track it down. In fact, I think there's even one for the physical lens. It'll tell you lens model. Yeah, there yeah. is one for lens model. Yeah. Of course there is. I mean, the, it is... It is a long scroll. Let's just put it that mm-hmm. way. Just about anything you can think of is going to be there. And, and third-party uh, apps can donate data to this. So, like, I have Quark Express installed for this, like, I had to resurrect this really old project for a client. And so there's, like, you know, I could search by Quark Express named layouts. Like, all sorts of tools show up in here. So if you're building a, maybe a smart folder and you're not getting exactly what you want out of the sort of default search terms and attributes, go into the other field and and there are probably some that would be helpful to you. And you can actually turn them on in the menu. So you can even customize the search token menu to say, hey, you know, I actually need to search by audio bitrate pretty often. Instead of going into other and then finding it, you can sort of promote it into the main search menu so it's available uh, more quickly. I like how when you said you had to go back and use your uh, your old layout program mm-hmm. you sounded like it was kind of making you you know like like that was a chore and we all know it that was, was a chore. like <laughs> i'm thinking it's like the highlight of your week oh I think no that, no i had uh, this, oh, f- mm, i had to uh, open up some like quark express like five documents so i had to download quark express a trial i had to change like one thing for this person but then i also had to download and install a quark converter because i haven't opened these documents in a decade that like convert it into their new file format it was a whole it was a whole situation Years ago, I had a um, a listener who, um, it was a sad story. And, you know, her husband was no longer with us, and she wanted to get some of his old documents, and they were MacWrite 
I, I helped her out. We we got it sorted out, but it was it was quite a. Hey, one other thing you want to do with this search bar, by the way, that this smart folder is, this is, this is another power trick. When you're creating them, there's a plus button and you hit the plus button. So you can say kind is Cork Express and last open date is, you know, before 2000, you know, cause it's Cork Express. Uh, but, but you can also make additional levels of conditional on that. Instead of just having a group of rules, you, if you hold down the option key, and you hit the plus button, it turns into ellipses. And this is a thing that shows up on the Mac all the time. And when you tap the ellipses that shows up in place of the plus button, it creates a subset of rules under there. So you can, you know, so you don't have to have any and all rules apply to everything. I'm probably not doing a good job of verbalizing this. You have to almost do it to see what I mean. But so you could say Cork Express in before 2000 and any of the following, you know, includes the word Stephen, includes the word David. Whereas without that qualification, it's not possible to make that rule. And that shows up all the time. I was, I was actually screencasting for an app developer that had implemented, because this is a, a core level uh, Mac OS option where you hold down the option key on the plus sign and you get to make a subset of, of rules. And I was doing a screencast for a product for a developer and I added that to the screencast and they're like, we had no idea our app could do that <laughs> <laughs> because they had used, you know, they were smart developers. They used the core system and it just, you know, they didn't have to write the feature in. It was just in. Anyway, that's useful. But there are some other sort of bells and whistles that you can turn on in Finder that make it, I think, a more a more useful environment. And the number one thing for me here is the path bar. So this is turned on in Finder under the view menu, and it gives you breadcrumbs. Like right now, I am in our our shared Mac Power Users Dropbox folder. So in the little breadcrumbs at the bottom of the window, it's Macintosh HD, Users, Steven, Dropbox, MPU. And it gives me quick access. If I want to jump back to the home folder, I can just double click on that and jump all the way back, but it gives me a reference for where I am. And I use a lot of folders and subfolders, especially on some of my, like my external drives that are sort of archive, you know, I'm not in there very often. And so it's really important that I structure that data in a way that when I go back to it every once in a while, I know where things are. And this path bar makes it really clear where I am and how I got there. Yeah, in fact, I would recommend going through the view options in Finder if you haven't for a while and just turn on a bunch of them. You know, the way Apple shows it, it says show it or hide it. If it says hide, it's already available or already showing. Because like I even think that the um the information along the bottom of the window is also useful. Uh I believe that is called uh, what's that one called? The the date at the bottom where it tells you the number of items in a folder. That is the status bar. Status bar. I mean, that just uh, that kind of data, and it just uses up a tiny bit of space at the bottom of your Finder window. And mm-hmm. and the other thing that's nice about that, like if you're going to use the icon view, it gives you the slider where you can uh, change the size of the icons on the fly. Mm-hmm. Kind of nice. But anyway, yeah, tur- turn on all of them for a week and just see what you use. Yeah, uh, both of those are on for me all the time. I think they're really handy. The the status bar, too, you said it shows you the number of items in the current view, but it also shows you how much space is left on the volume you're on. So if I you know move to one of my external drives, this one has 18 items in the root 
yeah. level of the drive and I've got two terabytes left or, you know, whatever it is. So it can just be a nice, like, quick way where I, I don't have to worry about how much space I have. I'm Say I'm copying a lot of files around because Finder is just showing me where I am, how much space I've left available. All right. I want to talk about view options. Uh, and I, f- I feel like we're in a safe space to do that. Back in the, before, uh, you know, the iPhone showed up, this was a discussion that often led to, you know, hurt feelings. You know? Yeah. It's like a, what side the, your dock is on, right? Like you can't talk yeah. about that on the internet because you're going to be wrong no matter what. Yeah, you are. But, and it, they've changed over the year in Finder. I mean, the one going back to the old days, Icon View was really the main one when we started out and that I'm kind of glad it's still there, but it's probably the least information dense view. Um, so icon view is just what it says. It gives you a list of icons for your apps. Something they added along the way. That's kind of awesome is it's a preview as well. So all the stuff that you've got in there, it doesn't just have a generic document icon. It actually has an image of what it is. Um, I use this all the time. I have this action folder that comes up on the show once in a while. It's kind of like the the place that I put things bef- where Hazel is kind of doing its magic. And so I put everything in there. I put client checks in there. I put, you know, a- anything that comes in the door. And one of the things I like to use Icon View for is, you know, once a week or so, I'll just go on my 27-inch iMac and I'll blow that I'll give Finder the full screen. I know this is just heresy, but anyway, I, I put it full screen and then I just run the slider up all the way or close to all the way in uh, icon view. And then I can see everything I've scanned or that's come in over the last week. And a lot of them uh, get filed because I give them a special name or get filed because I give them a special tag. Well, they're big enough. I don't need to preview them or anything. I can just see the image on, off the icon itself and then apply the tag or change the name or whatever and let Hazel go and send them away. Mm-hmm. And it's a great it's a great little way to use this view that everybody says is antiquated and of no <laughs> use anymore. And what, what's neat is if you say you have like a multi-page PDF or a keynote document or something, a lot of these file formats will allow you to actually preview multiple pages just in the icon view. So yeah, you can my, scroll it in the icon. Yeah. So basically. my folder of my scanned field notes notebooks that I spoke about a few episodes ago. Yeah. Uh, I like looking at that in icon view because I can see all the colors of the covers because they're all different. But then I can actually go through here and without even using Quick Look, just skim through these notebooks uh, just right in the icon view. So. Uh, it's powerful, I think, for anything that's visual. I also use it for if I say – so, for instance, I have a folder on my desktop right now called Easter Pictures. I took a bunch of pictures at a family Easter get-together with my big camera. They're all a bunch of raw files, and I can go through here in icon view, and it, I'm still going to edit them, right? Like I'm still going to go through them and process them. But icon view gives me a – sort of first line of defense of like, oh, well, that one's not in focus or that one, you know, the kid is halfway out of the frame or something. It can be a nice way to sort of very quickly see what you have without having to open, in my case, 110 images in something like Adobe Raw to edit them. You know, I'm kind of relieved. I felt like I was going to get judged for using Icon View. No, I will judge you for one of the later ones, but uh, I'm okay with Icon <laughs> View because it is it is unique in that it gives you such good previews. And especially on Macs with Retina displays, yeah. it doesn't have to be enormous to get a lot of detail in there. No, it doesn't. It's nice. Yeah. Up next, you have List View. Yeah. As someone who came to the Mac at the tail end of like the classic Mac OS era, 
this is the one that I kind of remember like classic Mac being basically the list view. And so I don't use it very much on, uh, on Mac OS 10 or Mac OS now, except for the columns that you can turn on. So the, the thing for me here is, yeah, it's like, it's kind of a, I don't like it for navigating, but if you have a big folder full of stuff, you can then sort the list by a bunch of different types. By default, it's by name, but you can do date modified, size, type. And then if you right-click in the column headers, you can choose version, tags, date last open, date created, and several more. So it can be a nice way to very quickly see, okay, I've got this jumbled mess, but I just need all of the PDFs out of this folder and the rest of it I don't care about. Well, you can sort by kind, find all the PDFs, select them all, and do whatever you need to do with them without having to go through a, a long list of files one by one and trying to like click just the PDFs and then you, you get it wrong and you miss one. Uh, the sorting in the list view is really powerful. Yeah, that's that's really what it's for. It's like I, I call it the Swiss Army knife of sorting because you can pick whatever the date modified uh, the the usual ones for me it sounds like for you too are date modified size and kind mm-hmm. and those are the things that i often need uh, what i would suggest however though is if you find yourself doing that often if you're relying on that then go back to our old friend the smart folder we were talking about recently just as an example i am because i'm working hard on this this field guide right now it's on my top of my head i've got one of the things I do is I make kind of placeholder screen flow files. I set up the one kind of the, the screen size and some of the preferences exactly how I want it. And then I make duplicates of an empty file that has all the right settings in it. So I've okay. got like 60, 70 of these empty files and they're a very small size. And I found myself sorting with this, this view format just down to the ones that were the small size. So I could, um, I could start knocking those out. You know, here's the ones I haven't recorded yet. And then I realized that was dumb. And I made a smart folder that just said, look in that folder, anything that's smaller than this size, just put it in the smart folder for me. And then I don't have to deal with sorting and it's just much easier. Um, so I, I do think it, it can be a trigger for you to get a little more organized. But, you know, for the one-off sort job, there's nothing better. That's pretty handy. I, and you know, and I, I said this isn't going to be a show about iOS, but it's that kind of power stuff that, boy, I sure would like to see head over to iOS. Yes, absolutely. I, I don't use files on the iPad a ton, but in prepping for this show, I thought several times, like, man, files is just so basic compared to what you have. Yeah. Uh, what you have over here. All right. Uh, are you going to judge me on column view? Uh, no, column view is what I use. Um, All right. Good. So column view came from sort of the next side of the Mac and next uh, merger that gave birth yeah. to, to Mac OS X. And for me, it's the one that I've, I've basically always used because it, it lets me see where I am and get around pretty quickly. But it has a few uh, tricks up its sleeve. So if you're in the column view, under the view menu, you can say use groups. And so by default, it, it sorts things alphabetically. But if you turn groups on, it will do a little bit of what the list view does and sort things by type. So for instance, I'm in a folder right now in our uh, Relay Admin Dropbox. And so it's a folder with subfolders and it has a bunch of images. And so normally those would be interspersed. But now if I have groups turned on, I see all my folders together 
And then there's a little break and I show all my images in order. There's a little break and then all the music files and a little break and and all all the PDFs. And so it kind of gives you a little bit of what the list view does, but with the organizational and sort of uh, spatial awareness that the column view gives you. And I, I don't always have groups turned on. But on occasion, in some of my really kind of busy folders, it can be a really nice way to like get to what I want quickly. I can tell you, I always have groups turned on. Do you? I've just learned to use it that way. And and now, occasionally, if it gets toggled off for some reason, and I open a folder in, in this view, and all of a sudden, all my folders and everything's mixed up. It's like, what happened? You know, <laughs> who messed up my room? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so if you're if you've not used this before... You have my permission to pause and turn this one on because I think it's a total game changer. And um, yeah, I I almost wish it was a default because I think a lot of users who would never think to go to the view menu would really appreciate or benefit from this. Do you know about the uh, the trick here? So if you have groups on, you can actually change what they're grouped by. So by default, it's kind. So it's folders together, PDFs together, etc. But if you're in a window and you have the column view and you have the groups turned on, you can actually go up to the uh, finder, uh, the menu bar again, and you can uh, hit show view options. It's command J and you can change those groups. So you can say by kind, or you could say by application. So I want to see all, all of the documents that would open in Photoshop together, all the documents that would open in uh, numbers together but you can also group by date last opened, which you were talking about your save searches earlier. Yeah, this could be a way to mimic that in column view. It's uh, this is not something that I was actually familiar with before we started prepping and before I was really digging into the preferences. Doing grouped by date created or date modified, it looks a little weird. You have to kind of get used to your columns being broken up a little bit. But it's kind of cool to see just how granular you can get your settings in Finder. Yeah, you can also do it by size and tag. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah. It's cool. <laughs> I th- we'll probably sound like a broken record, but man, there's some power in Finder. There is. It, it just gives you so many options. It, it What I'm always impressed with when I look at Finder, like the way we're doing today, is it is so uh, willing to work the way that the user wants to work. It's so malleable in the hands of the user some of these things like don't jive with the way that I think, but they jive a lot with the way other people think and vice versa. And you can really make it a reflection of what, of how you think about things. And if somebody wants to sort things out in a very specific way, chances are finder can do it. Now you may have to dig through the view preferences or the finder preferences to make it work, but there are a lot of things are in there that I think most people don't know about. So I think we're getting to the land of judgment now. Yeah. Yeah. Gallery view. The gallery view. (laughs) So before Mojave, this is called uh, CoverFlow. We know that Steve Jobs was in love with that when it came to iTunes, then all the iPods. And gallery view in in Mojave is not that different than CoverFlow before. It's a little flatter looking. It's it's not as many reflections and and all the stuff that we saw before, but it gives you um, a, a... at the bottom of the window, a little preview of everything in the Finder window. So again, this is one that I think lends itself to, towards a file full of documents or PDFs or images where like the thumbnails are helpful to, to see what they are. Yeah. And you, you can scroll over them. You scroll horizontally, which is uh, something you have to do in Finder. And select one. You get a really nice preview. 
And then if you have under the view menu, if you have uh, the preview pane turned on to the right, it gives you metadata about whatever that is. So I'm right now in a folder full of show artwork for Relay FM shows. So say I scroll over here and I land on the focused artwork. I can see that it's a ping. I can see when it was created. I see the size, the color space, and I get a really nice preview of it. Again, right within the finder window. I'm not opening it somewhere else. I'm not using quick look. It's just in the window. This one is just not for, just not for me though. And I'm curious what you think about it. I, I think I, look. I, I think it's better as it is now than it was when it was called CoverFlow. Yeah. I was trying to remember there was a fourth view alternate before CoverFlow. And I think it was more similar to what we have now, but for the life of me, I cannot remember what it was. But anyway, um, someone sure we know definitely did screenshots of every version of Mac OS 10. So you talk and I'm going to see if I can find this. <laughs> yeah. Yes. In fact, I should point everybody out. Steven did a very good job of documenting old versions of Mac, Mac OS. And we'll put a link in the show notes there. It's some amazing stuff work there. Right? But anyway, um, uh, and so I talked earlier about sorting out the action folder, just using icons blown up. Um, I think if I were like working on a 12 inch MacBook or something that didn't have a lot of screen real estate, um, I think that would be hard to do the way I describe. I have a 27 inch screen, so it's great. Um, but if I was working on a smaller screen, I think I could see myself wanting to use this view instead. And some things that, uh, that preview pane does is it gives you the ability to add tags right there. Uh, Mac OS doesn't really make it easy to just drop in tags. I mean, it doesn't make it obvious at least. Uh, so that's nice. And that markup tool is there. So if you wanted the ability to do simple markup, and you can even add automation, what used to be called services. Uh, you can create custom ones that can be activated here. Mm -hmm. So I think um, this isn't this isn't something that is, we used to mock CoverFlow because it was just so weird. It was a it was a, it was it was exactly what they called it CoverFlow. It was something that would be a cool feature for album covers applied to PDFs. Yeah, kind of strange. Yeah. Um, and now it's, I think, much more practical. And there are real tools in that preview mm -hmm. screen. The, the magic's in the preview screen. You gotta, if you're going to use this, I would assume you'd have that turned on. And on a smaller screen, using the arrow keys to scroll between them and make whatever edits you need, it, it makes some sense. So I can see use for it, although I don't use it much. It's a tool that I deploy in very specific circumstances, basically. I deployed it to see how it worked when they released it. Mm -hmm. And that was the last time I used it. So <laughs> um, that kind of gives you an idea. Yeah. The, the automation piece of me likes that, you know, they've got that service stuff you can put in there, but I, I've created services already. I've been down that road pretty deep. We've covered it on the show. I've got a whole podcast called automators, but um, I just didn't, implement them by services where you select the file and right click it and run it. So sure. I can do that in any view. I don't need a button. Yeah, they're called quick actions now in Finder. And they, they do show up in other views too, but they're most prominent in the gallery view. Uh, I think they also show up in columns. Basically, anytime you can have the preview pane up, you can see them. And what they are, it's a service or something you set up in Automator or basically any other way of, of automation on the Mac. And it just lets you say, Hey, I want to perform this action on this type of file. Uh, I want to get into quick actions, maybe in a later episode, because I think they are really powerful. I think we should revisit that stuff. Yeah. That's a, it's a real separate topic. They're kind of just yeah. hanging out there in the, in the preview thing. Uh, another new thing in Mojave though, is 
Stacks. And so, yes, Stacks have been as part of the dock since Mac OS X Leopard, I think. Now we have desktop Stacks. And there is a, a link, of course, to a knowledge base article in the show notes where you can basically, if your desktop is messy, and mine is not, I'm a desktop minimalist, but if yeah. you're not, you can basically create stacks. And so it, it groups things again by type or by date. You have all those sort of sorting features. And it just works just like stacks in the doc where you just see a little graphic representation of a bunch of files on top of each other and you can go into them. They kind of work like folders, but they're they're better looking and they're more dynamic because you can change the way that they automatically sort. But if you're a messy de- desktop person, if you right-click on the desktop uh, you can say use stacks and it will enable that feature. Again, it is new in Mojave. So if you're running an older version of Mac OS, it won't be there. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by our friends at 1Password. 1Password is the tool to make sure that all of your online accounts, from social media to banking and everything in between, stay safe with strong, unique passwords. 1Password manages all of this. You can use it to create strong, unique passwords. You can go in there and there's a a recipe maker. So uh, just the other day, I had to make a a password for uh, some online service I have to use for work. And they only allowed like, I think, three numbers, some arbitrary old school rule about passwords. And so the recipe manager let me say, okay, this password, it can be this long, but I only want three digits. I, I don't want more than that. And it lets you customize the length and strength of the password to fit, again, if you're on a website that may have those type of requirements. And it's, it's super fast. You go in there and change the dials around. When it's time to fill a password, use that keyboard shortcut on the Mac. But if you're on iOS, 1Password integrates with all the newest iOS stuff. So it works with the uh, keyboard entry for passwords. And of course, it authenticates with touch or Face ID, so you don't have to worry about entering your one password on your tiny iPhone keyboard. It just authenticates as you would expect. Uh, something really neat: One Password just won its first Webby Award, uh, which is really cool. It got it for uh, services and utilities in the uh, app category. I think that's awesome and well deserved because One Password is great. It's easy to use. It's it makes password management something that's not a chore, something that keeps us safe, should never slow us down. Of course, if you have a family or a team, you can set up 1Password for groups of people controlling who has access to what information through the use of vaults. All very easy to manage and and grow as your team or family grows as well. So if you want to learn more about 1Password, how to keep your passwords secure and safe, how to generate new ones easily, or even store information like bank account information, driver's license numbers, credit card information, all of that stuff, head over to onepassword.com slash MPU to learn more, and you can sign up for a free 30-day trial. When you do sign up, at the end of that, you will get 20% off. Once again, that's onepassword.com slash MPU. My thanks to 1Password for their support of Mac Power Users. All right. Um, we definitely want to talk about some alternatives of Finder, but let's take a few minutes just to go through some of our favorite kind of cool Finder tricks since everybody's got Finder, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, tags. You know, tags are a new way of finding things in Finder. Um, they're very easy to create. It, I think it makes a lot more sense than what Apple used to do with the little colored buttons that we'd put on. But uh, I, I, I use it primarily as triggers for Hazel. 
I don't really use it as an organizational tool. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And, you know, I'm not a tag user in in any way. In fact, I have tags turned off in the sidebar and finder on my machine because I just just don't work that way. But what is cool about them is tags are – they sort of float above the folder structure. And so you could say, hey, show me all my files tagged with David, and it will pull them all no matter where they are in the file system. And that that's a pretty cool way to gather things across, you know, multiple folders and subfolders. I think, well, and not only that, you can have multiple tags. So you can index an item by more than just folder location, which mm-hmm. is all you can do with a hierarchical folder system. And if they had, boy, I, I just keep doing this, but if they <laughs> had on iOS a better implementation, they, the tags do come over to iOS with the files app, but you've got to... The way you select or pick a tag is you scroll through a list of your tags and tap on the one that you want. But um, if you do this for real, like I tried to kind of do it for real at one point, you start adding client names and different categories. All of a sudden, you've got this massive scrolling list and there's no search on it on iOS. You can't even like just type a couple letters and jump to it. You've got to literally scroll through and pick so it's just not implemented well on iOS. But if they had a better system on iOS, I'd be more encouraged to use it on Mac and both platforms as a as an organization. So I'm not against it. I'm, I think tags. There's some great stuff about tags. But anyway, I, and that's probably another show too. We we'll have to have Terpstra someday. That's that's his favorite topic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm winking as I say that. Yeah. Um, the uh, sidebar folders. Uh, this is very easy. You know, just drag a folder over if you're working on a big project. Uh, they can be temporary. Uh, that's the thing I think people forget. You're hesitant to drag it over to your sidebar. You're like, oh, I don't want to be looking at that client name for the next year. You only have to look at it for the next couple hours if that's all you need. Um, you drag them in. When you drag them off, you're not deleting them. You're just removing removing them from the sidebar. Yeah, I, I use this a lot if I'm working on a project, you know, for a couple of months at a time. So, for instance, if I write a macOS review over the summer, which I plan on this year, I'll just put that in the in the favorite section in the sidebar and gives me easy access to it. And then when I'm done with it, I can just take it off. So it's a very fluid thing for me what's over there because it is so easy to add and remove them. I keep a permanent hierarchy there. Mm-hmm. And since some things that never leave, like Same. the root folder for the law practice, root folder for Max Sparky, root folder for the field guides, root folder for the client files. So, you know, that stuff is always there. And I use it in combination with tabs. You know, I guess we can just talk about that next. You have tabs in Finder now, which is, you know, I remember when you didn't, and it sure is nice having them. So, and one of the ways you can trigger a tab is hold down the command key and tap on the, uh, or click on the sidebar reference. So if you've got, you know, your action file folder open and you've got the insurance bill and you tap on the records full uh, sidebar link in the sidebar, it opens that in a separate tab, making it very easy to move files across with your mouse. It's great. I use the tabs all the time. And it's it's something, too, that if you have um, multiple windows, so, so they're sort of spread out all over the place, just like in Safari, if you go under the window menu in Finder, you can say merge all windows, and it will pull them all into one. They really adopted the sort of the tab infrastructure from Safari and put it everywhere. Uh, I think with Sierra or something, I don't remember when it showed up, but uh, tabs are something that, that I use a lot. And you know, for instance, if I'm editing this show, 
Sometimes I do that over the course of a couple of days, and I'll need a couple of folders open. And so I'll just yeah. have those folders in a tabbed window, and then I'll just minimize the whole window. And so when it's time to come back to it, I can unminimize the window, and kind of everything I was working on is preserved where it was. And yeah. it's a nice way to kind of group the work I'm doing into one section of Finder, if you will. Yeah, and when you're dragging files between those tabs, the command key will reverse the copy or move function. So if you're going between volumes where it would normally move, it will make a copy. If you're on the same volume where it would normally copy, it'll move. So you can you can do quite a bit with those tabs as you get them rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, the Some other stuff is the customized toolbar button. That's in every app. If you right-click in the toolbar, there's a customized toolbar option, or just about every app. Uh, on the Finder, I find it particularly useful because there's a bunch of tools you can add to the toolbar that you uh, that may make sense for you. Um, you can also drag folders into the toolbar, not the sidebar, but put them on top. And it works the same way. So if you've got something that's very dear and precious to you and you go into it often, you could put it at the top of the screen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do turn on labels. Um, I, I don't use that feature, but I thought I'd test it out for the show and I dragged a couple folders up there and I don't have labels on my toolbar icons and I just saw a couple of folders. I had no idea what was what. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gotta have labels on then. Uh, yeah. Most definitely. Full screen finder. You ever do that? I, I don't. Uh, I'm curious. I mean, you said you do it when you go into that icon view sometimes. No, I don't. I, 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 I make it, um, I guess I use the, in, me, it's in my head, there's full screen where, you know, it takes over the screen, like appropriate for a laptop, you know, was it uh, option command F mm-hmm. uh, and then there's full screen where it just, the window takes the whole screen, but it's okay. not actually in full screen mode. Okay. So but, yeah. That makes me feel better about that. Yeah. Uh, one, <laughs> I'm glad you're okay. <laughs> one thing I use all the time is Quick Look. So it's been around a long time. You have a file or a folder selected. You hit the space bar and you get a preview. And they've they've brought the markup features from preview. So, so I just yeah. quick looked on a PDF. I could go in here and I could add a signature to this or I could mark something up with a pen tool or something. From the finder. All just within the Quick Look and without having to open preview. It's great. I use it often. And uh, there are a couple tricks with quick look. Option space will make it full screen. So everything else will go black and you just see the the preview of the file uh, there. And quick look is one of those things that is it, just totally ingrained into the way that I work now. Yeah. Yeah, great. And, and hold the option key down, you get the full screen. That's the uh, additional tip. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's there's just a lot there with Finder, and if you're using it on a basic level, that's fine. But maybe try a few of the tips we shared today, because it you know could make a difference for you. I uh, one of the other things I do with Finder all the time is I'm I'm very um, meticulous with window management, mm-hmm. and um, the Finder does not allow you to have separate panes. While you can have separate tabs, you can't have like the you know one folder open on the left side another folder open on the right side but if you have window management tools um i do it with keyboard maestro but you could do it with moom or any of the other you know usual suspects uh, just open multiple instances of finder and you can drag stuff across um from pane to pane what a concept ios what a concept <laughs> yeah I, I you know I, as i was saying i'm like that is so obvious but you know some folks don't know about it so mm-hmm. there you go yeah, I just want it. I just want it on my iPad. <clears throat> we keep doing that. We keep saying we're not going to do it. And we keep doing it. Okay. I know. Let's let's try and stop. 
Let's try and stop. So let's talk about some alternatives. Uh, yeah. These are applications where you may run into limitations in Finder, and you may want to go beyond what is available to you in the the default tools. And so we've we've looked at several of them. There are a couple others uh, as well, but I think we kind of picked the ones that are worth uh, exploring. And let, let's start with Pathfinder because, oh boy, can it do a lot of things. Yeah, I really enjoyed your text messages this week as you've been playing with Pathfinder. Yeah, it's uh, it is. Uh, it is Finder and then so much beyond. It can do so many things and give you so much information. It it works around this idea of uh, m- modules. And so the, the Pathfinder window, you can sort of add things onto it. So things like file information, they have a cover flow implementation. You can even like turn on Git and subversion integration. So if you're working with a folder that's a GitHub repo, or a Git repo on a server, that's all, those tools are just there for you. It's really endlessly customizable what you can add to it through this modular system. Yeah, if Finder is a car dashboard, Pathfinder is a jet cockpit. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's right. I think that is definitely a good a good analogy. I, I like the way, because, you know, in Finder, you've, in the Apple's Finder, the you know, the UI is pretty simple. You've got the toolbar, you've got the file picker down the left side, and you've got whatever you've picked in the main screen. You know, that's the way most apps work. In Pathfinder, you can have two panes. So you've got the you've got the file picker in the toolbar. In addition to the selected file, you can have a second pane, which gives you basically, you know, two main view screens. And then you can add two ears to it. You can literally push another data set, whether it's a terminal window or whatever you want out each side of it. And then you can also add a data set or a window view below. It's crazy how much you can do with this app. It, it really is. And and all of these apps, I think they definitely all have features above and beyond what Finder does. But a lot of the stuff Pathfinder does in particular, Finder has sort of adopted over the years. Like I remember back in the day, all of these apps, like it was like, Tab browsing and Finder. It's like, well, that's yeah. in there now. But yeah. one one thing that Pathfinder does that I really, really like, and I wish that Finder had some sort of way to do this, is called the drop stack. And so it's a little section of the Pathfinder window, if you turn it on. And it has the ability to drag in uh, files from all different sorts of folders. So you can navigate around and, say, pick five or six JPEGs. And then you can go in and you can create uh, a job based on those files. So you could burn them all to a disk if you needed to, or you can compress them all, create an archive of them all. Yeah. And in, in Finder, that's pretty fiddly. You'd have to jump back and forth between Windows and copy them somewhere maybe. But it's like a temporary holding ground for files. That then you act upon all of them. And I think that's a great feature. Yeah, I, it's my favorite feature in Pathfinder. And the... um. There are menu bar apps that are basically drop stack apps, and we've talked about some of them on the show, but they're not the same because they don't let you perform actions on the drop stack the way Pathfinder does. It's it's very, very clever, and I think something that, you know, we've all been there, right? You're like, oh, I need all these files for this client, and they're, they're sort of scattered to the wind. Like, I've definitely just copied stuff to the desktop to have them all in one location, and this is cool. It's really cool. 
if you've ever found yourself like setting up Finder with like multiple instances on one screen, not just the two pane thing I was talking about before, but maybe three panes or four panes, and you routinely have to do a lot of heavy file management. And uh, my first advice would be go buy Hazel. But <laughs> yes, yeah. but if you don't want to do Hazel, uh, Pathfinder is really the answer. It's it is the biggest power tool for file management on macOS. Uh, I used to use it routinely, and when Finder, I can tell you the exact inflection point when I stopped using Pathfinder regularly, and it's when Finder added tabs. Yep, it's um, such a huge deal for so many people. And I lost some features. Like, I, I really like the way Pathfinder works with the terminal, too. If you do terminal work, you can open a terminal window in your Finder, which is actually really clever. But mm-hmm. the um, but I, I just don't do it enough to keep it open all the time. And, and I still pay for the license fee, and I still probably open it up once a month, but not like I used to. Like, I used to use it almost every day. And it is uh, – it's got some other – cool stuff like it can basically sync to Dropbox directly so you don't necessarily need the uh, the Dropbox app running in the menu bar it can also kind of replace finder like sort of and so you can have it launch it login you can have it be the default file browser so if you are working with a file and say you right clicked on it and you know copy or paste something pathfinder tries its best to adopt all of those but finder is like really baked in to the os and so it it is um it's always kind of there even though pathfinder will do what it can do what it can to replace it it's not a perfect swap because finder kind of is the os in a way right it's 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 different than if you use like airmail instead of mail you just Replace mail yeah. with something else. Finder's a little bit deeper, but Pathfinder does a pretty good job where it can to become better integrated than just like a random app running on your Mac that has access to your files. I remember once like 10 years ago and I disabled Finder on my Mac and I wanted to just use Quicksilver for everything. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that was like a dumb thing I did. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean, you know, like you do as a nerd, you, you, you start chasing your own tail and at some point you wake up and you're like, wait, I just disabled finder. Yeah. What am I doing? Uh, but you can't, how do I, how do I undo that? Yeah. Well, anyway, Pathfinder it's, there's a three day, 30 day free trial and it's over at Coco tech. We've got a link in the show notes. And if you find yourself banging your head against the finder or you just want more power, I think this is the one you start with because it, you don't get more power than this. I agree. I think it's out of all of these, it's the it's the one to check out if you want to to do more because chances are what you are wanting to do, Pathfinder can do it because it's so robust. I and mean, it's on version eight. It's been around a long time. The developers done a really good job at keeping it up to date and having new features in it. And uh, it's it's been part of the Mac landscape for for years now. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Backblaze, the unlimited cloud backup for Macs and PCs that starts at just $6 a month. Now, I can't talk enough about offsite storage. I think it's such a it's just such a better way to do your backups and such an improvement over the old idea of I'm going to have a drive connected to my Mac and I'm good. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't connect a drive to your Mac. I still do that. But having that second step of offsite backup is really the belt and suspenders we should all be carrying around with us. And Backblaze is the choice I've had for this for, for years on my Macs. 
Um, Backblaze backs up documents, music, photos, videos, drawings, projects, everything that's important to you. And in addition to backing it up for you, it gives you access to it, not just the whole enchilada, but you can download little bits on the go. They have a mobile app so you can do it on your iOS device. You know, often I, I, you know, I don't have a Mac with me when I'm out. I just have an iPad and the Backblaze app is a great way for me to get access to a bunch of the stuff I've backed up from my Mac. And Backblaze knows what they're doing. They have 750 petabytes and counting. That's the equivalent to 750 million gigabytes. I had to look it up because I wasn't sure exactly what a petabyte was. Wow, that's a lot of data. Yeah, these guys know their stuff. And if you do have a data disaster, Backblaze can ship you a hard drive with all your data on it. You don't have to you know, spend weeks downloading it. They just ship you a drive. And once you've restored your data... Uh, you can send the hard drive back to them for a full refund. I mean, they they just take care of this problem for you. They've restored 35 billion files. That's a lot of saved files. Um, And having a backup means you've got that total peace of mind. Uh, Having done this show for many years now, I get those emails from listeners who will lose like piles of photos. I mean, we had a listener write in that she lost all of her college photos. Like she was in a sorority and had done all this stuff through college. She had it on her laptop, laptop drive failed, didn't have it backed up. And four years of her life is just gone. You know, she wrote me, I sent her to drive savers. They couldn't help her out, but the, you don't need to be that person. You know, the backblaze accounts are totally affordable. You get a 15 day free trial with no credit card required. If you go to backblaze.com slash MPU, but, you know, it's just not worth it. I mean, I just can't imagine not having this offsite backup on the systems. Uh, so think about the people in your life that aren't paying particular attention to this. And this may be your first line of defense for them because they aren't going to use the others. Um, uh, either way, I, I'm so happy that they're sponsoring the show because I am a big fan of what they do. I feel like these guys really get it. And I have trusted them with my data for years. And uh, I have no uh, hesitation to recommend that you trust them with yours. Once again, go to that website. It is backblaze.com slash MPU. And you get that unrestricted free trial. And let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. Once again, that's backblaze.com slash MPU. Go there now. Thank you, Backblaze, for saving us from countless data disasters and all of your support of the show and Relay FM. So up next, we have Forklift, which is kind of a mix between a finder replacement and a FTP client, something like Transmit by Panic comes to mind here for me. And it does a really good job at treating remote servers as basically it's just like local folders. And again, Transmit has a feature like this where you could say, hey, put my you know, put my remote server on my desktop as a volume. And they've, they've had stuff like that for a long time in various forms. But Forklift is the fastest I've ever seen at, hey, connect to the server and put it in a tab or put it in a window. And I can just use it as if it were a local folder. It is so quick at it. It really, really took my breath away. You know, Transmit, like, it's really good. I've used Transmit basically forever. But this really blows it away in terms of speed. Well, I mean, Finder also has FTP support, but we didn't mention it because it's lousy. It's not good. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's setting it up. It's just a, it's a pain in the neck. And it can't I connect think- to things like uh, AWS buckets and, and other types of storage that have evolved since the last time Apple dealt with server connections in Finder. Yeah. Uh, so forklift in my head, where where Pathfinder is the jet cockpit, forklift is like just Finder Plus. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the FTP support is excellent. I'm doing a project right now where I'm using a lot of FTP and I'm using forklift for that. Uh, it it's uh it's reasonably priced. Uh, they have a free trial and they also are part of Setup. And since I have a Setup subscription, I basically get it. You know, for that subscription and. Uh, so it's really easy for me to pull that tool out whenever I need it. Cause I've already got a license to it. Um, in addition to the FTP support, I think that the multi-pane support is really nice. And that's something you don't get with finder. If you, if you want a simple way to move files between two panes and by the way, that works particularly well when you're working with FTP, uh, they've got that as well. It's something I, I wish finder had, you know, finder has got tabs, but if you want two things side by side, you basically just have two windows and you're kind of like moving thing from something from one window to another. It really comes in handy. One thing that I've actually already used forklift for forklift is going to stay on my iMac pro after this episode is syncing a remote server with a local folder. So if you are working on a project and you have a lot of local files and you seem to sync them all with the server or in reverse, say you have a server and you need to download everything from it. You can just basically sync it in one direction back to your local Mac or keep them in sync with each other. Transmit other FTP clients have it, but again, Forklift does it in a way that's really easy and and it seems to be, I don't know how it's as fast as it is. It really is impressive. Yeah. And I mean, it remembers the credentials, which the Finder seems like to me. Finder, it's like, it's like someone at Apple has said, oh, David signed into another you know, FTP with Finder. Let's just make sure that he, uh, that the, his Mac does not remember that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, but the, but, uh, forklift always remembers it. And, you know, I, I also really like the design of forklift. You know, it's, it's a nice UI and, and I'm not saying I don't like the UI of Pathfinder. It's exactly what an app like Pathfinder should be, but it's a little simpler and, um, it's just a nice UI with it's, forklift. Download it's very it. clean. Yeah. It looks yeah. very native, and I think they've they've done a good job at giving you lots of really powerful tools, but doing it in a way that is not uh, it's not intimidating to open forklift and start doing stuff. Where sometimes, like with an FTP client, it's like it feels like a bigger deal than it is. And forklift yeah. because it puts everything on the same playing field. I think it's pretty approachable. And the places where they do go beyond Finder's um, feature set, like split screen, and they also have a cool uh, renaming tool that I really like, um, they do it in a nice way. You know, it's not crazy. Um, uh, I do wish they had something like the drop stack, though. They don't have anything like that, and and that is really clever. Mm -hmm. Either way, uh, yeah, so you can get a free trial that one as well. So if you're looking for something in between Pathfinder and Finder, or if you work with FTP a lot, um, that may be the one for you. Yeah, I think there's clear differences between it and Pathfinder when you're looking at tools to do more than just what the built-in Finder does. So if you want to do more local file management and local file sort of stuff, I think Pathfinder is a better choice than Forklift. But if you're, like we said, moving stuff back and forth between a server a lot, I think forklift is the way to go. Yeah. 
But, you know, that's not the only file management apps out there. There's another couple that aren't really finder replacements, but they're finder enhancements. Mm -hmm. And I thought we should spend a little time talking about those. And uh, the first one is Default Folder X. This app has been around a long time. Very long time. Uh, I remember this way back in the early OS ten days, and it is it is different than something like Pathfinder or Forklift, where it, like I said, it's not a finder replacement. But what it does is it makes the open and save dialog boxes way more powerful. So you have to, uh, and I should say this: you have to give default folder X like oh quite a few permissions on the system when you set it up cars accessibility access full disk access as do some of the others full disk access in mojave is pretty common uh you also have to give the ability to control finder and so that when you open it for the first time it's gonna it's gonna walk you through some permission stuff but if you do all that and i think it's all fine to do that it's just a local application it's not sucking stuff off your Mac and putting it somewhere else. No, and I, I, I feel like I have some degree of trust with this developer. I've yes. communicated with them in the past, and I've been a customer for a long time and just never had a problem. So I, I didn't hesitate to give them all that access. Yeah, I agree. This is this is an app that's been around so long. This developer, I think, has definitely earned a reputation uh, of being trustworthy in our community. Uh, but what it does is it it basically frames the open and save dialog box with an extra kind of bit of UI, and you can customize what is in there. So you can do things like have shortcuts to commonly and recently used folders. You know, especially the recently used. That's something that the the open and save dialog box like it kind of supports that, but not in a way that is immediately visible and. This gives you uh, options to kind of bring that stuff up very quickly. Uh, you can also see a lot of file information in here. So you can see tags and permissions and a, even a preview all within the open and save dialog box without having to go out to Finder and like do it there. If you're just trying to open the right document, you're not sure which one you want. These tools can help make that more apparent. Yeah, I feel like default folder X gives you the save and open dialog box that Steve Jobs would hate and kill immediately if if, if it was brought to him, you know, uh, because it's just it is adding a lot more options and complexity. But if you're using your Mac to get your work done, it's nice. And I, I picked up on this app a long time ago and I've continued to license and use it. I know you kind of just used it for this show, right? I mean, you've not been historically a user of this app. I, I haven't. Uh, and I don't think it's going to stick for me. I'm not sure that it it solves an issue that I personally have. But that doesn't mean it's not worth looking into if you find yourself in the open and save dialogue box a bunch and aren't sure where your thing went, you know, with the, the folder you want. Yeah, It is cool. And it, it extends itself into Finder itself. So it gives you additional shortcuts uh, kind of underneath the Finder window at the bottom. So it shows up in other places too, but uh, I'm not sure it's one that I necessarily need. Yeah, the, the I guess the three things I use most with this are the recent folders and documents. I, I'm combining those into one. Um because if I haven't made a smart folder for whatever reason, when I'm in open and save, I, I would like to get back to those quickly. And I hate drilling. And I have a lot of nested folders. So this saves me a ton of time that way. 
in addition, I talked about how I have sidebar stuff in the Finder. Well, I've got a hierarchy of favorited folders with um, default folder X. So I can also get to frequent locations very quickly, just hitting the little, it's a little heart on the right side. And then the last piece of it that makes it a keeper for me is I am working with tags more. And in the back of my mind, at some point, Apple is going to fix the tag problem on iOS, where I am genuinely interested in using tags in a bigger scope. So I am adding tags to files as I save them. And with default folder, you can add the tag. And I know you can do this with a default save dialog as a Mac as well, but here you've got a, um, a preview and a tag window. I don't know, just, I think it's done a little better than the way Apple does it. Um, uh, the other thing I would add, uh, you know, just as a, as a user of this app is I'm constantly impressed by the development cycle. When you're working on something that basically, you know, replaces the open and save dialog box, which is very fundamental to the operating system, mm-hmm. uh, you've got to be on top of every change and update to the operating system. And these guys, they send out so many betas, and I mean, if you get in that group and they're just constantly making sure the app not only gets better, but also works. And they've been doing that for, I don't know, I know at least 10 years, because that's how long I've been using it, but, the, <laughs> um, but much longer. In fact, I think this, this predates the next purchase. This goes back to the original Mac OS. I think the reason it's called default folder X now is because they added the X when uh, when, uh, the next stuff came in, uh, it, it also has a feature called folder sets. So if you have, uh, tasks that you need several folders open at the same time and you repeat that task often, you can set that, create a folder set, and then you can recall that with the default folder X, either menu bar app, or they have a, a an eye that shows up in the toolbar in a finder window. So again, going back to like my Mac power users editing, I need like several folders open and I could create an MPU edit folder set. And with a couple of clicks, have all those windows open and recalled uh, where I want them when I want them. So if that is something that you need, that is a feature that as far as I could tell is unique to default folder uh, X. It's not something that the others offer. If they do, they definitely don't offer in such a, an easy way to manage as this application does. And I forgot to even mention the name default folders because it allows you to set default folders for each app. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's useful too. Absolutely. Uh, the, uh, the menu bar app also gives you access to uh, favorites across your uh, computer, recent folders, recent files. A lot of this is in like the go menu in finder or under finder file, you know, recent items, but Again, in a nicer way that's easier to navigate quickly. I think that's really what this app is after. I think you should keep it on for a month. Sounds like a challenge. Just, just try it a little bit longer. See if it takes. I mean, there's a lot to like about it. I, I, I get why there'd be an initial kind of negative reaction in the sense of like, wait a second, what is this doing to my system? You know, just like the same feeling you get when you see Dropbox installing whatever it's installing to work in the background. Mm-hmm. And you're like, I don't know, I want this. And, uh, but... <laughs> But default folder, I've just never had a problem with it. And it does come in pretty handy for someone that works on their Mac as much as you do. Yeah, all day, every day. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by our friends over at Hover. Lots of people are building online identities, whether it be for personal use 
or maybe a side project or even like a full-blown company, having a domain name is the first step. I remember when we were trying to name Relay FM, which was a giant nightmare that I do not want to relive. But part of those conversations were, is the domain name available? Can we get what we want for the domain name? And with Hover, you can find the domain name that shows the world who you are and what you're passionate about. One of my favorite features of Hover is the ability to go in and search for domains. So say that you are working on a project name and you have some keywords that you're thinking about including in the name. You can just search for those words with their domain name search tool, and it will suggest different domain names based on those keywords and not just the .coms, but .nets and, of course, a wide range of new uh, domain names, the new TLDs. So you can come up with something really creative and unique that maybe you didn't even think of, but Hover could suggest for you through its website. Once you find the perfect domain name, there's no upsells. You're, you're not going to go through the sales process and things being added to your cart and extra features you don't need. The whole interface is just clean and simple. You can really understand what you are purchasing. And once you get it purchased, they have best-in-class customer support. So if you run into questions about DNS or how to set something up, uh, you can just get help from a real human being, and they make it really easy to get done what you need to get done. And who doesn't need a domain name? It's important for yours to stand out. So those those new domain name extensions – Hover has access to over 400 of them. I didn't know there were 400 of them until we got this ad copy. 400 domain name extensions. And a really cool option is .me. So say you're building something like a showcase or, or a portfolio site. You're showing off your work. .me a, gets your name and the domain name so they know who you are. And it is a cool way to let everyone know like potential employers or people you want to work with, what who you are and what you're good at. So if you have a great personal website that's ready to go, grab the .me extension. It's super popular, and they're on sale this month at Hover for only $9.99. That's 33% off your first year. And if you're new to Hover, you get an additional 10% off any domain extension, again, for the first year. So go to hover.com slash MPU. That's hover.com slash MPU. It's time to get your portfolio website up and running. I'd like to thank Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Hey, I want to talk about finding files again a little bit. Okay. We uh, we covered that earlier in the Finder. You know, it's called Finder. And we talked about some of the advanced searching you can do. There's a third-party app that I have. This is another one I've been buying forever and I use all the time. It's called Hudaspot. H-O-U-D-A-H-S-P-O-T. They just released version 5. And... I feel like this is if you're if you spend time looking for files on your Mac, this is something you may want to check out. It's it's uh, I think it's easier than Finder, honestly. And and like we talked about, how Pathfinder is a super set of features above Finder. Uh, Hootspot has some really extremely powerful search tools. So we were talking about all the tokens and the refinements you can do in Finder. This app takes them to a whole new level. You can combine all sorts of things. You can add uh, nested searches, nested groups. You can search just by location. So say uh, you do all this, but I just want what's in my documents folder. I just want what's on this external drive. And you can set 
file limit, so it will it will pick what it thinks is the most applicable. Um, I did a search just showing everything with the letter A in it, just just like just like the broadest <laughs> search I could I could think of. Yeah. Oh boy, did it uh, return some things, and I set it to a ten thousand file limit, and it loaded in those search results basically instantly. It's doing everything yeah. it can to be as fast as possible. You get a bunch of columns to sort by and a bunch of different views. It's really just above and beyond what Finder offers itself. It's just so much easier because the tokens are more accessible. So you don't have to like know a secret language to make mm -hmm. it work. And um, like an example for me on the law side, I've been writing legal documents for 25 years. And sometimes I'm like, oh, you know what? I, I did something like this before. I want to see how I approached it last time. I don't remember who it was for. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, you know, it's like something I've done. It's just fuzzy in my head. And then who to spot is always the answer because I can say search this particular legal archive directory, you know, that's on my secure drive. And so it doesn't search in the backups or anything else. It just searches that one place and, you know, find it. That's a word document that contains this word, but not that word. And I, you know, I come up with these just crazy, crazy searches and, you know, just thinking through it logically it'll take me 30 seconds to put the search together. And if you think through it logically and you put enough conditions in the search, like, like I'll even say like, and it's got to be older than five years ago. Cause it's been at least five years since I did this, you know? And, and when I'm done, I hit the go button. It gets me like four or five files. And inevitably one of those is the one I wanted. Whereas if I had tried to dig for that in the finder, I could have spent hours and never found it, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's really great. If you like, if you are the person that needs to find a needle in a haystack, there's nothing better. I, I sound like I'm making a commercial. I shouldn't, this is not a commercial, but I yeah. just, I really appreciate um, the work he puts into this app. Mm -hmm. It's uh it's great. If you are working with big data sets, uh, it's handy. I had this installed already when we were going through our outlines. Like, oh, I actually already have and use this because I have, a ton of stuff in these archive drives of past work or, you know, Apple yeah. software I've downloaded or whatever. And it, it can be a great way to blast through that without having to, again, dig through folder after folder after folder. It, it's another one that I don't use every day, but when I use it, I appreciate it. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's a tool that I pick up off the shelf when I have a specific problem, yeah. but it, it always gets the job done. Uh, I was almost going to say something again, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> iOS. <laughs> I, gotta, <clears throat> uh, I, I really hope that we have a lot to talk about with files. <sighs> Me too, G. man. Me really too. Before we wrap up, I did want to briefly mention one other alternative called Extra Finder. It is one that is older and a lot of its features have been adopted by Finder. It does dual do the cool dual pane thing like Forklift does. So I can have like two tabs open in one window side by side type thing. And I wanted to mention it because it's in several like articles about this. Uh, we found doing research that it's, it's pretty popular. It's also $5. So it's a lot cheaper than the others. Uh, but my kind of issue with it is to make it work, you have to disable system integrity protection or SIP uh, and recent versions of Mac OS, that is a protection that makes sure that the core OS is not tampered with and extra finder works 
by injecting code into Finder itself. Like this does things in Finder to make Finder do new things. And to me, in 2019, that's a bridge too far. Uh, I'm not going to disable SIP for some yeah, features. Me you so, lost me right there. Uh, I wanted to include it because I, I know people have talked about it, but for me, it's off the table because it wants me to uh, to do some things that I don't want to do. And you can re-enable SIP after installation, but turning it off for anything is not something I'm willing to do. So what do you think um, at this point in the max development is the, you know, is how would you grade the finder? I would say that the, the finder is way more powerful than most of Apple's Mac apps in the sense that, you know, mail and Safari and messages or whatever, they give you options and they give you customization, but finder has so much more than those other applications in terms of depth. Uh, I, I do think that there are, Improvements to be made, you mentioned tagging. I think tagging could be way more robust both on files and on and in Finder. Yeah. Uh, and I think Finder server stuff is just really crummy. You can use it to connect to, you know, SMB and AFP file servers, like if you have a Mac mini home server. But it doesn't know anything about a lot of sort of online connections. And Apple seems to be okay with people just using something like Transmit for those things. But uh, Finder could do a lot better... Uh, in those regards. But I think for most people, Finder is more than they than they realize and maybe more than they need. And I'd give it a pretty solid grade, I think, at this point in the in the Mac's life. You know, the Mac is still very file focused, whereas iOS just isn't. And if they if the Mac was starting today, Finder would not be what it is. But because it has no. this rich history, they continue to let that continue. And I think that it makes the Mac a really powerful tool for a lot of us. I mean, if you spend all your time with FTP, it'd get a low grade. But I think for most people, I mean, I'd give it a solid B. Yeah, I'll go with that. Right. Well, that doesn't mean it couldn't get better. And um, and hopefully it will. And also, hopefully today we talked about a few ways to use Finder to be more efficient that uh, triggered some ideas for you. Give it uh, some attempts. Definitely smart folders. And that is... Uh, that's one that I think everybody's missing out on. I don't know why the, the whole smart folder technology, whether it's in music or Finder or whatever, people yeah. just don't use those in, things. In and mail, it's huge in mail too, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, that, that about does it for today. Thank you to our sponsors, Omni Group, 1Password, Backblaze and Hover, and we will see you all next week.